0: all right everybody back again flipping mats waiting flats podcast here at fish tackle marine san antonio texas let me adjust the mic a little bit this is josh unfortunately uh my man joe my partner in crime is out at his real job you know trying to knock down that dollar so i'm flying solo here for a little bit and Fortunately, here in a little bit, we're going to have Will from Fish Tackle Marine going to jump on here in a little bit. But other than that, let's uh, let's get this party started here, see what happens here. Um, man, it's been an interesting week. Uh, classics winding down, uh, all that stuff, you know, all the hype and hoopla is kind of on the in the rearview mirror. We've got uh, uh, MLF Bass Pro Tour going on right now, Lake Murray. Those guys have been snatching them up pretty good. Uh, Some of the weights have been pretty surprising, you know, over 20 pounds to win the rounds and stuff. So, been pretty interesting. But, man, uh, seems like we are in the uh, heart of bass fishing and we are getting ready to uh, jump into the saltwater world. Uh, We're going to get into the uh, wading flats part of this podcast. Uh, Got a bunch of stuff starting coming up. We have the uh, first Texas. Professional Red, Red Redfish League Texas Open this weekend, Port Aransas, Texas, April eighth. Going on. It is a uh, two-man event. Real cool format. Um, very similar to the older uh, IFA Redfish tournaments they used to have. Uh, two-man teams, artificial only. Two fish per team. Uh, two slot fish per team. Weigh them in. Uh, no wade fishing. No live bait. None of that. So very very similar to bass fishing and it is uh, something that I'm very interested in I've decided I'm gonna go dip my toe in it this weekend and put my money up and go see if uh, go see if we can catch some fish it is uh I've been uh, very interested in watching what this professional redfish league does they have done uh, some really good stuff really cool stuff over the last couple of years man they have uh, <clears throat> it all accumulates or culminates at the end of the year with the Redfish World Series, which it is a huge tournament. Um, last year it was in Louisiana. I believe it's going to be in Louisiana again this year. But just real cool format, a bunch of different ways to qualify for it and everything, and just end up getting making trying to make your way to Louisiana and get a big uh, a big chunk of that prize at the end. So, uh, but kicking off this weekend, Port Aransas, man, it's going to be an interesting one. Weather's been terrible, been super windy, blowing 15 to 20 for the last week, week and a half, two weeks, it seems like, blowing 20 out of the south, switching around, blowing 20 out of the north, and I mean, these fish probably don't know what to do. I think right now about they're probably just swimming in circles because the wind's got them going every di- every direction, got the bait going all over the place water's dirty one day, clean the next, then goes back to dirty. And I mean, they just, these fish are not going to know what to do or, uh, or where to go. So it's definitely going to be a, uh, a, uh, very interesting tournament. Going to be a lot of running around. And, uh, for us, it's going to be a lot of, uh, running and gunning because, man, we haven't pre-fished. So we're basically just going to load the boat full of gas and send it and, do a little running and gunning, and hopefully we can land on two decent ones by the end of the day. Um, I'm uh, definitely one of those guys that only likes to have a few rods on the deck of the boat when it comes to tournament day, but needless to say, I'm pretty sure every one of the rod holders in that Mayak's going to be full this weekend, because I'm going to have everything from soft plastics to blade baits to popping corks to who knows what. You know, it's, if it's in my boat, there's a good chance this weekend it's going to get thrown. So we are definitely uh, just going to be learning as we go, one cast at a time, one fish at a time. And hopefully we can uh, get a few bites early and kind of key in on to uh, what they want or what they're going to do. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, <clears throat> I think the uh, captain's meeting is going to be Friday night. I believe it starts about six o'clock there in Port Aransas, uh, at the pavilion right there in the main, uh, right there in the main harbor by the park by the ferries right there. So uh, hopefully head down uh, Friday evening early enough to get there and get signed up and checked in and everything, and uh, then go uh, get the boat ready, plugged in and all that, and hopefully uh, get ready to turn and burn come Saturday morning. So. I'm very interested to see. This is going to be my first time ever fishing one of these uh, redfish style tournaments like that. I have, uh, I fished quite a few tournaments at the coast over the years, but most of them have been uh, charity tournaments, you know, allow you to use bait or, you know, different things allow you to wade fish. You get, uh, you know, a lot of them are mixed bag stringers tournaments to where you catch redfish, trout, uh, black drum, you catch them all. But uh, as, far as, uh, as far as that concerned, this is going to be my first uh, pro-style redfish tournament that I'm going to fish. It's uh, definitely not at the professional level like some of these, uh, like the other professional redfish league uh, tournaments are, but it is going to, uh, it's definitely a good way for your, I don't want to say average fisherman because there's going to be plenty of pros as well as plenty of recreational fishermen weekend warriors whatever you want to call them like myself that all get in these things and it's just a good way to to get in there and test your skills test your ability test your decision making ability you know having to fish on the fly and stuff like that Um, I'm hoping that all my years of tournament bass fishing is really going to help me in this Um, and hopefully you know kind of I'm hoping the tournament isn't that much different. I mean, I think the the basics of the tournament as far as catching fish, culling fish, timing, you know, what time you got to leave to make it back to weigh in on time and stuff like that. You know, I think all those things, luckily my bass fishing tournament experience should help me with that. So I'm uh, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. I uh, still have a few things I need to do with the boat as far as getting the boat ready uh, Friday night, you know, I run a, uh, I actually run a 24 foot Mayak Reaper boat. Uh, I just actually just purchased it last October. So this will be the, this will be the maiden tournament voyage in the, in the new Mayak. It's a, it's a beautiful boat. I love it. I love everything about it. Powered by a 250 Yamaha show it's got the twin power poles. I got the Mincota iPilot trolling motor. It does have a raised console on it with a uh, tall burn bar. So I was really hoping for some nice, clear weather because this is the uh, first boat I've ever owned that has a uh, stand on top console to where you can actually get up there and look for some of the fish. But it's been so windy and the, the, the water's been so dirty from what I've been told. It's uh, I don't know how much the uh, sight fishing is going to play into it. I was hoping to get to do a little bit of that, but sounds to me, uh, just based on what I've been reading on the internet, wind reports, weather reports, stuff like that, it's going to be more of a, uh, looks like I'm definitely going to be covering a lot of water, probably doing some drifting and stuff and just trying to, just trying to cover water as much as possible and, uh, put a couple fish in the end of the boat, in the boat by the end of the day, it is, uh, I don't want to say nervous but i am a little bit nervous i mean i consider tournament fishing a lot like deer hunting you know the day you get in that deer blind and that buck walks out and you're not shaking a little bit you probably don't need to be doing it anymore so as we get closer i mean it's only you know it's only wednesday i still got three days before the tournament but i'm definitely already running through all the scenarios in my mind and going over things, you know, well, what if this happens? What if this happens, man, maybe we'll get in this situation. Maybe we'll get in this. And, uh, it's definitely the, the pre-tournament jitters and nerves and stuff like that are definitely starting to ramp up the closer we get. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Friday evening as I'm driving down there, it's really going to start going to start hitting home before we, uh, you know, before we get there, as we get there. So I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. Um, I'm very, very interested in seeing how many boats show up. I know it's a little bit of a tough weekend being uh, Easter weekend. You know, Easter is going to be this Sunday, uh, the ninth. The tournament's on the 8th, but it is only a one-day tournament. So I'm curious to see if that affects turnout or, you know, boat numbers. I do know in the bass fishing world, uh, having tournaments on major family holidays is usually – not always the best idea, just because, you know, a lot of guys are spending time with their family, spending time with their kids, stuff like that, and getting the time away to go fish isn't always an option. But uh, I do also know when you're a major tournament organization like this uh, PRL, the Professional Redfish League, is he runs a lot of tournaments throughout the year. And I do know timing and schedule of events and getting stuff, you know, scheduled throughout the year. So you can get all your events in is it's, um, it's a nightmare in itself. I, I don't, uh, I don't wish the duties of a tournament coordinator on anybody because what those guys go through is unbelievable to pull off these tournaments. And I appreciate every single thing that they do and every single hour of sleep that they lose and everything, trying to make these things go off without a hitch because ultimately it, uh, it allows me to go do something that I really enjoy doing, and that's uh, that's tournament fishing. I, uh, It's just something about strapping it up that morning, strapping the rods down on the deck, firing the engine up, waiting for them to call your boat number. I mean, I know a lot of guys, I'm sure a lot of guys that listen to this podcast are tournament fishermen also, and there's just nothing like that morning of when everything's getting ready. You're getting excited. You and your partner are going over tackle and tips and man we should do this wind's doing this water temperatures this and just trying to decipher the whole thing it's uh i uh, i consider tournament morning to literally be like somebody taking a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and just dumping it out on the front deck of the boat and hopefully by the end of the day you've got all thousand pieces put in before you get back to the weigh-in i and it sounds crazy but there is just there is so many things that factor into a good day of fishing. And I think that's why it's so hard to win. I mean, you look at all the best tournament fishers, fishermen of all time, you know, even on the bass side, the guys like KVD, the the Denny Browers of the world, the Ishman Rose, the Mike Iconellis. Uh, then you get over to the, um, you know, the redfish side, guys that have fished those. IFA tournaments for years uh there's a lot of guys uh local guys that I hear the names of and stuff but you know the guys from the corpus area the Kevin Aikens the Chris Smiths the uh um Jay Watkins back in the day the you know uh gosh I know I'm I, I hate naming names because I definitely know I'm going to leave out a few but you know all the guys the uh Russell O'Reilly's and the you know uh I believe uh there, there's just a bunch of them but you know all these guys that fish all these tournaments and when you really sit back and look at it and you look at all the tournaments you've fished over your career when you look back and go man i've won less than 10 percent of the tournaments that i've entered so you know you're going to win single digits out of every turn out of every hundred that you fish it seems like and it's really hard to put a Put a quantifiable number on just how hard it is to win, and I think that's mainly due because it's not like a normal sport. Um, you know, when you when you talk about football, the field's 50 feet or 50 yards wide. It's 100 yards long. A touchdown's worth seven, six points. Extra points, one point. Field goals, three points. Safety, two points. And it's like that every single time those guys step on the field. There's 11 guys on offense. There's 11 guys on defense. Same yardage for a first down every time. The whole game is broken down to consistencies. Everything in those games are consistent. Same thing with basketball. The free throw line never moves. The three-point line never moves. Uh, all that stuff is consistent all the time. It's You have the same minutes for every quarter. You have the same minutes for a half. A, you know, a, All the games are the same time. Well, then you jump over into the fishing realm of it and yeah, there are a lot of constants like this tournament this weekend, there is going to be two, per, two guys per boat, artificial lures only, you know, you're allowed to weigh in two fish between 20 and 28 inches and you're going to fish from the time they call your boat number to, you have to be back at the weigh in by, let's say back in the boat basin by three o'clock. So those are consistent. And that is not going to change for anybody that is fishing this tournament. But now you have Mother Nature involved. You know, we're not playing in a dome. We're not playing anything like that. You have tide. You have wind. You have water clarity. You have water temperatures, air temperatures, clouds, sun, I mean everything in the world can change what these fish do on a day-to-day basis and that's why you hear guys talking about man i killed them yesterday i don't know where they went i don't know what happened well something could have changed It could, it could have been something as small as the wind picked up from 15 to 20. now the water's dirty or it could be something as simple as hey the bait was up here feeding on this certain plankton or this certain algae and We got a bunch of fresh water in the lake with rain and it washed all that stuff down so the bait followed it well the bait move now the the target fish move the the fish that we're looking to go for so there's so many things that can change in just the blink of an eye that as a competitor as an angler we have zero control over it is truly a game or a sport where you are literally just along for the ride. You're rolling with the punches. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the same thing that those guys think about when they strap onto the back of a bull or something for rodeo. You know, you're basically just going out there and you're rolling with the punches. You're, you're rolling with the tide. Whatever that animal's doing, you're trying to follow to the best of your ability and just try to capitalize if they're fortunate enough to make a mistake. And God, I feel like that's what it's like every single time we put the boat on the water and no matter what it is, is uh, you know, you're chasing something that you know is there, but you can't always visually see that it's there, and you just have to just have to run around making calculated or educated guesses to the best of your ability, and hopefully you end up uh, hopefully you end up where you need to be by the end of the day. So hopefully, uh, if everything works out right and my partner and I make a few uh, good decisions and, you know, read the conditions and stuff the way that I hope we can, that maybe by the end of the day, we'll have that thousand piece jigsaw puzzle put together. <laughs> but if not, we might end up just one little corner and we still got 900 pieces over on the other side of the deck that we hadn't even touched yet. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be interesting, and uh, I really encourage anybody that, loves coast fishing to look into the professional redfish league or prl they have tournaments in texas louisiana all along the gulf coast all the way to florida all the way up to south carolina i mean the the team at the prl does an unbelievable job of bringing the sport of competitive redfishing to the forefront and trying to get more people in it, get more people interested in it, get, uh, sponsors in- interested in it. And they really do a good job of creating a good platform for a lot of very solid, solid competitive redfish anglers to get on the, uh, to get in the spotlight a little bit and, uh, showcase what they do because, uh, I mean, I, I've coast-fished my whole life. I've bass-fished most of my life, and I love bass fishing. But man, there ain't many bass that pull like a twenty-seven or twenty-eight inch, eight or nine-pound redfish. When those, when you set the hook on one of them bad boys, and they're peeling drag, and you're doing everything you can to keep them, just keep them at bay, and try to get them in the boat, get them netted. I mean, it's a, uh, it's definitely a sight to see, especially when. Uh, <laughs> When you haven't done it a whole lot, it's, uh, it's exciting to say the least. I, I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy guiding down there as much as I do is just because, uh, you know, I don't think anybody realizes how hard those fish fight until they get one on the line for the first time until they get that first long run where that, where that fish pulls out 10, 15, 20 yards of drag. It's, uh it's not like bass fishing where you've got your drag just cranked all the way down you set the hook you reel them in boat flip them and it's over now I know there's a couple of guys out there that do that with them redfish they don't play no games they just set the hook you know straight up straight up straight at them and get that boat to the get that fish to the boat as fast as they can but I think they have adapted those concepts and those techniques because as the uh, as the tournament game, evolves on the redfish side, they are, you know, a lot of these guys are realizing that, you know, time is money when it comes to a tournament and fighting a redfish for five or 10 minutes is not doing you any good when you only have eight hours for a day. So if you can take that fish fight from a five minute fish fight down to a two and a half minute fish fight, get them in the boat, get them measured, get them weighed, get them in the live well, you're back to making another cast. So you're just increasing your odds. You're playing the statistics and these are all things that go through your mind as a tournament angler uh, kvd really brought that to the forefront years ago when everybody was talking about how good he was and stuff and how fast he fished and how fast he covered water and all that and the reason kvd i well one of the reasons i believe kvd was so good because. Back in the era when he was doing it in the 90s, in the 2000s, all the way to the early 2010s, he was basically playing the statistics. He was presenting his bait to more fish throughout a tournament day than anybody else was. So naturally, his statistics and his chances of catching a bigger bag or five bigger fish goes way up. When you throw your when you throw, if you're an average angler that throws your bait in front of, let's just say 20 bass in a day, two of those fish might be over three pounds, which for most tournament anglers throughout the nation, you know, you're you're not fishing for 14 inch fish. You're fishing for three plus pound fish. Those are tournament fish. Some lakes, it's a five-pounder tournament fish. But when you are presenting your fish, your bait to 25 fish in a day. And then you got KV and let's say two of those fish are three plus pounds. Well, now you got KVD rolling through and he presents that same bait, but he's able to do it to a hundred fish in a day. Well, now instead of just two three pounders, now he's got, you know, eight three pounders that he presented his bait to. He caught five of those eight. So now he's got 15 pounds as to where the guy that only did it 25 times has his six pounds plus his three swimmers, and so you you take all these things into account. So the faster you can fish, and and there is an art to it because you have to fish effectively. Just casting it out there and reeling it in as fast as you can isn't going to get it done. So it is uh, there's definitely an art, and uh, that's why I'm very excited about dipping my toe into the uh, into the redfish tournament deal because it is a uh, It's going to be a new experience for me it's going to be something that i have never done before and i'm really curious to see how much of my bass fishing experience and histories and stuff like that play when it comes to running around just chasing these redfish instead of chasing these black bass i uh i'm very excited definitely starting to get antsy definitely starting to get nervous but uh so I'm definitely looking forward to it. One of the other things I just noticed about the um, PRL is there's also going to be a kayak division going the same day. So not only is he going to be running a tournament for the big boat guys, he is also running a tournament for the kayak anglers. So any of you kayak anglers from around central southern Texas and, or live in the Corpus, you know, Port Aransas area or whatever, definitely look him up because he does a kayak series also. And one of the other things I just saw on the website that came out a couple of days ago is he is going to be doing a women's series. Apparently, he's done a couple in the past, but it's something that he is uh, he feels very strongly about and uh, very passionate about. Getting the lady anglers involved in, uh, you know, getting them getting them showcased and getting them to realize that this isn't just a male sport. I mean, as, even though fishing as as a whole is dominated by males. It is, it's not for male only. I mean, you definitely, uh, that's the great thing about fishing is you do not have to be a physical specimen or a a pillar of physical physique to, to be a good fisherman. I mean, I consider myself a decent fisherman and I am definitely nowhere near physical (laughs) or, you know, in great shape by no means. I mean, I'm just a, I'm just a just a fat white boy from San Antonio, but I still love fishing and I'm able to do it, so I'm definitely gonna try so he is really trying to push uh definitely pushing the envelope when it comes to women and getting them involved and getting them to realize that competing with the men isn't a isn't a big deal when it comes to fishing it's it's not something that a physical attribute has to do with it's not that it's not like golf where You know physically men can hit the ball further than women or football where physically a male can throw a football further than a woman where you know those things matter in fishing there's plenty of women that cast just as far as men work their baits just as well as men hell in some cases i think women are just i think women are better fishermen than men because women have the ability to pay attention to detail a lot better than men do I mean, I know my wife tells me all the time, "You don't remember half the stuff I tell you." Well, yeah, I don't because unfortunately, uh, I just you know, <laughs> I have a tendency to not pay attention to the close, close details. But women are very good at that, so I feel like their uh, their reasoning skills and their uh, ability to make adjustments on the fly and stuff, and pick up on little things that could possibly matter at the end of a tournament day, as far as catching one extra fish here or cluing in on, Hey, I'm not getting as many bites on this color, but the bites I do get are bigger than that color you're throwing. Maybe we need to stick with this color the rest of the day. So I am very excited about, uh, his efforts to get the women involved and, and get a a tournament series for them where they can compete and enjoy and, and have a lot of fun. So I am, uh, I'm very excited about going this weekend. I am, uh, looking forward to it. And I'm hoping that the, uh, weather holds out. They're talking about a chance of rain, but it's changing. The weather's changing every day, so it's definitely going to be a uh, a, a game-time decision when it comes to uh, the wind and the rain and everything else and what the weather's going to hold, but uh, definitely very excited. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this first segment up. We're going to take a little break and uh, hopefully uh, get Will from Fish Taco Marine on here for the Second segment, and we'll uh, get you all some more info coming here shortly. All right, all right. back from our uh, seventh inning stretch. Here, we uh, able to uh, get Will Laws, owner operator, off of the uh, computer back there, paying bills or doing whatever you were doing. So, I can <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you on, Will. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on for the second yeah. half, bailing me out a little bit. I think people are getting tired of hearing me talk just nah. by myself. People got interest, man. They want to listen. They want to hear. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think uh, I think people relate to personal experiences. Yeah, you know, true. I mean, especially uh, even though you know, I guess by by no means are we anybody in the fishing world, yeah. but I think a lot of your average people can relate to that. I mean, we see what all the pros and stuff post on social media and all that stuff, and of course, we all dream and aspire to be those guys, but you know what those the life those guys live and the life we live are two completely yeah. different worlds so yeah uh,
1: and I found out that people want to relate more to me and you, you know what I mean that uh, if I'm fishing a lake and a person fishes that same lake they want to be able to talk to me because I'm actually fishing that lake and having success and all that stuff yeah
0: yeah even if you're not having success yeah, yeah. just learning hey man I went to such and such lake and fished all day and I did this all day and it wasn't working so at least you know, hey, well, I'm going out there next week. At least I know, hey, maybe maybe I won't try this. I'll start with something different, and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Well, the world of social
1: media and all that stuff. People want realness. They want to relate, be able to talk to somebody who's doing it. Not living behind the lens, a fake life, whatever you want to call it. So yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I notice that on YouTube a lot. Like I always notice the uh when you get on YouTube and you see the videos like when you want to learn how to do something. So of course everybody researches on YouTube. Well, yeah. I'm always interested by those people that put the videos on YouTube that are you can tell are just average yeah. Joes. They're just normal yeah. human beings. They're not a professional electrician that you're watching wire a house or they're not, yes. you know, a a professional mechanic working on a car. It's a a guy that just does it on his own either cuz he has to to save money or whatever and people are willing to share that knowledge and yeah. I think people relate to that real well. Yeah, real, yeah, a lot more than that. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things we were talking about off air that I love about your shop. And I think that uh, is a big reason why your shop has been successful since you started it a little over a year ago. Is yeah. I told you one of the things that I love is it doesn't matter whether somebody's ordering batteries, ordering baits, wants to look at a kayak. When they call that phone number, you answer. Yeah. I mean, you and that's get, why I'm kind of hesitant about hiring somebody. It's it's my baby. I want to be able to provide that the customer service. No, I, absolutely. And I and I think even if even you know eventually you're going to have to hire somebody. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think just the fact of being able to pick up the phone and talk to somebody, yeah. like I I, I can't has I, I know I have, but I can't tell you how many times I've called Academy. Mm-hmm. To try to get a hold of somebody at the real bar to find out if they've got a bait in stock or something. I spend 30 minutes on the yeah. phone and don't ever get, get to talk to anybody. Like a, I don't know. Yeah. Or I end up getting pissed off and yeah. hang up. Yep. But I mean, you know, I heard you before we started the podcast. You had a guy call that was interested in ordering batteries. And here it is, seven o'clock at night on a Wednesday, and Will yeah. Law answers his phone. Yep. It's so, I mean, I, I think that little that little extra mile that you go is one of the reasons why uh, yeah, you're having the success really
1: you are. 100%.
0: I say that kind
1: of that what sets me apart from a lot of the guys online because every day a new battery company pops up or a new job shipper or somebody trying to sell something on, on Facebook and all that stuff. But I provide my phone number. They can reach out, talk to me. Hey, you got questions? I think that's the reason why people are like, hey, go buy from Will. Hey, bye. he's answered all
0: my questions. He's talked to me.
1: He's... So, yeah. I think
0: they have a lot well and it does it, it has a ton to do with it i mean it goes a long way i mean i know i called you earlier this week looking for a certain bait and like we've talked about in the podcast before you know one of the things that joe and i talk about on this podcast is we definitely like to promote shopping local and stuff yeah. like that first and i mean i picked up the phone and called you and flat out was like hey dude i'm looking for these baits before i get online and try to order them or whatever." Send me a picture of what you've got in stock. Let me make sure you yeah. got the colors I want. And I mean, cause naturally I know it's five bucks here or five bucks there, but I just I feel a lot better when I'm giving that five dollars yeah. to somebody and I know it's making a difference over uh, it sending it to on. blank blank yeah. tackle online or whatever. <laughs> and 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 you know, and and that's I that's one of the things I like about you and I've really respected about you is you do understand that you still are a i don't want to say a beginning tackle company yeah. but you are a young tackle company yeah. a young tackle shop and you know what it takes money wise and everything else you can't just go throw a hundred grand and stock yeah, the shelves yeah. with absolutely I I could, everything right? oh yeah, <laughs> yeah no I, I wish you could too yeah. but and and that's one of the things i really you know respect about you is you know all of us. Yeah. You know we all got $10,000 worth of baits in our yeah. boat. We don't need any more, but we keep Oh, we keep buying them. We, there's no doubt. But you <laughs> Come are open. Come on in. <laughs> But you also know that we didn't buy all them from you. Mm-hmm. But you don't ever you don't ever give anybody a guilt trip yeah, because no, I yeah. because I ordered a pack of Cinco's from Tackle Warehouse yeah. or I ordered, you know, omnia fishing or all these other you know big yeah. retailers which are great stores but that's what i like about you is because i think a lot of small business owners take that attitude like well you knew i was here yeah why didn't yeah. why didn't you buy it from me and it's like well you know okay. in the
1: beginning i was like that because i just wanted business in the store but i also figured i could use that to my advantage and trying to find something that the big box stores or other tackle stores weren't doing to get that traffic here in the store or online or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I try to sure. turn the
0: negatives or that, hey, why didn't you shop with me into something good for
1: people? Exactly.
0: Own? Maybe I will shop with you. Well, and it's something as simple as one of the things I've noticed is I've heard you tell customers, hey, if they have a, a particular part mm-hmm. that you sell in the store, for instance uh, – a battery or something that you sell in the store even if they didn't buy it from you you know you still tried to help them out yeah, and hey yeah. you know just because it is a brand you represent and just going that extra mile and i think doing those little things that guy's going to remember that next yeah. time it's time to buy batteries and he's going to be like well hell will help me out last time i'm just going to go get them from him yeah yeah i hope
1: that sticks with
0: people I, th- I think it does. You know, what's the saying? You catch more flies with honey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I can definitely see where it's a little frustrating too, especially when you see, I mean, myself included, you know, we're friends. We've you know, known each other for a long time, but we all follow each other on social media and stuff like that. And you see somebody, you know, post a picture of a new fishing rod or whatever. And it's like, well, I know he didn't buy that from me, yeah. but it's uh, you, your your demeanor and your persona and everything I truly feel is what definitely sets you apart. I really do, man. <laughs> I know it sounded like a Will Laws plug, but I, I really do. I mean, just as simple as opening up the store for us to yeah. do this little podcast we started, you know, I mean, you didn't have to do that. Joe and I could be sitting around the kitchen table, but you, yeah. you, you take care of us,
1: man. We so really I, appreciate one my it. My main motto like I always say is, I take care of the people who take care of me. That's, that's kind of the way I
0: yeah, that's, that's yeah. it's it's a great way to live, man. So, well, back to the fishing part of yeah, it. Let's talk yeah, so I know I know Will, uh, you uh, definitely you have some saltwater stuff here in the store. Yep. Yeah. And uh, but I definitely know it's uh it's something on your radar that you're going to try to expand. Yeah, definitely
1: reach more into that saltwater world. Being that we're two hours from Corpus, and it's kind of a I say San Antonio is a kind of a saltwater market. We still have a fair share of bass anglers too, but saltwater's kinda kind of a big deal. Yeah. So if I could reach into that and kind of provide that customer service, baits, tackle, whatever they need for that. Other than the live bait, because they always call asking for shrimp. I'm like, <laughs> I can't keep <laughs> shrimp alive, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um yeah. But I uh, I suck at saltwater fishing. That's what, what I, that's the part though, yeah.
0: Do, do you think you? Well, it's funny you say you suck at it, but mm-hmm. I doubt you suck at saltwater fishing. It sounds yeah, to me yeah. like it's it sounds to me like it's probably more of a lack of experience. Than, yeah, I think you could
1: throw that in the mix too. But yeah, I haven't had any great trips in the Corpus Porterando
0: area. Really? I go down to Galveston. Easy fishing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know there is. I mean, statistically, there's more fish in that area. Hmm. So, and a lot of people don't know that, but a bay system believe it or not even though it's saltwater fishing a bay system truly matters on the amount of fresh water that's coming into it gotcha. so you know corpus you've got the new bay san antonio bay you've got the guadalupe mm-hmm. and stuff dump in it. the san antonio river and the guadalupe river dump into it but as you get further up the coast further east towards houston those rivers that they have over there are that's no joke yeah. they're they're not like our rivers over yeah. here that start in west texas and it might not rain for 12 months yeah. you know those 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 rivers over there always have water coming in that's why louisiana yeah, is with the, mississippi, with is the mississippi river is so much because it's so much more fertile the fish the bait the spawns everything is better over there yeah. I didn't know that. So, and I, I never paid attention to it until I went to Louisiana for the first time. Mm. And I actually, uh, we were sitting there at the Venice Marina and one of the Louisiana, I guess, a game warden, Louisiana game warden came up and he was talking to a super nice guy. And he was like, hey, where are y'all from? And we're like, oh, we're from Texas, you know. And he's like, oh, well, y'all got some pretty good fishing down there. And we had just finished our first day of fishing over there. And we were like, yeah, we got good fishing, it's but we ain't never like seen this, nothing yeah. like this. <laughs> And I asked him. I said, "Why is that?" Because of Mississippi. And that's what he told me. He said, "All that fresh water that dumps into those bays and makes all those estuaries with all the reeds." He goes, and and now I'm not quoting him because these are not exact numbers, but I'm going to use these numbers so you can understand. He basically said, when a fish in Louisiana, whether it be a trout or a redfish or whatever, mm-hmm. has a spawn, they have. 70 to 80 percent survival rate on their eggs Mm. as to where over here in texas we have 20 or 30 percent like i said i know those aren't exact numbers but i'm just i'm using those numbers so you can see how much of a difference there is places 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 for the fish to hide places for the bait to hide places for all that and and i asked them because one of my questions was man you're allowed to keep 25 trout over yeah, here yeah. and they only got to be 12 inches or bigger There's to keep are over here. Oh, you're, right, three, right? right now it's three but in houston mm-hmm. you're still allowed to keep five that's
1: 17 inches
0: that's at five there it's still 15 inches in houston but that's because the fish population so is so much better over there than it is on the southern part of the texas coast oh, and it, yeah. Yeah, and it all it all goes back to that whole estuary thing and the and the rivers and the bayous and all that stuff that we don't have over down this far south. Didn't know
1: that either. Yeah, so
0: that's probably why you think fishing in is yeah. easier because it probably is. Yeah. Well, yeah I got my first flounder over
1: there. First trout. We know it was like 17 inches. First trout.
0: Hey. Uh, what
1: else did I catch? Something else I've like got over
0: there. Drum a black drum, sheep's head.
1: Mm, sheep's head.
0: Yeah, there you go, sheep's head. Yeah, yeah.
1: Corpus is hard hardhead
0: catfish capital of the world. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, them them sheep's head. We call them inmates. Hmm? We call them <laughs> the stripes because them. Yeah. of the black and white stripes. We call them inmate <laughs> yeah. inmate fish. I catch a lot of the uh, dogfish. Oh, fish, yeah, them little. nasty looking yeah. ones. I catch a lot of those ladyfish. But see, that's probably because I imagine all the time well and probably fishing a lot from the bank yeah either jetties or yeah. a pier or something like that and yeah. see those fish like sheep's head dogfish they love pilings they love rocks it all anything that gets the uh the Barnacle, shells and probably. the barnacles and the mussels and all that they feed on all that stuff so that's mm. when you do a lot of bank fishing that's why you have a tendency to catch a lot of those fish yeah i haven't experienced yet the, the whole kayak thing in the, in the bays
1: yeah the only thing i've ever done is uh the party boats, like the offshore boats yeah and i get yeah oh yeah and i've done it twice and both times i've been seasick
0: so well i can tell you this next time you go mm-hmm. if you ever go on another party boat no i'm not gonna go <laughs> Well, i know but <laughs> for anybody that's listening if you're thinking about going down to because i know like port Aransas has a ton of party boats yeah. deep sea headquarters dolphin docks yeah. fisherman's Ball, wharf so. If you ever go on one of those party boats and you have a tendency to get seasick or motion sickness in a car or anything like that, one of the best places to fish or the best places to sit on the boat is in the back corners. You sit in either the back right corner or the back left corner. Stay as far away from the front of the boat as possible because that's a lot. Don't do it. Don't even get on it. Everybody wants to run to the front of the boat because they're like, oh man, it's beautiful. Or I don't know if they want to go up there. You know, everybody wants to run up there and do their Titanic picture, you know, where they're hanging off the front of the boat and all that. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the problem is, you know, people that haven't spent a lot of time on the boat realize that's the end of the boat that goes up and down the most. (laughs) So if you're going to get motion sick, the front of the boat's where it's going to be, mm-hmm. so yeah. Little little tip, little yeah. tidbit there. You know, Wade and Flats here. Yeah. If you go on a party boat and you have a tendency to get motion sick, stay at the back of the
1: boat. Just so <laughs> don't take the trip at all. <laughs> yeah, both times I've taken that. I think we took uh four-hour trips. Yeah. We were just running out to the
0: oil. oil what do you call it? Oh, the oil rigs yeah, or the we were yeah. Just
1: dropping baits out there. Yeah. Both times.
0: Of course it was blowing like thirty, thirty five. See, that's long. the other thing about those party yeah. boats is, you know, those boats are so big. Yeah. I mean they're fifty, 50, 60, mm-hmm. 70 feet. I think uh, dolphin docks there in Port Aransas, they've got their big boat, the La Pesca. I think it's eighty foot long. So yeah, they don't 22. they don't care yeah. how rough it is yeah. because it doesn't matter in their boat. It can yeah. be it can be six to eight footers out there and they're yeah. going no matter what. Yeah, no. Freaking captain was just like, hold on, folks. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, folks. We got beer for sale downstairs.
1: Yeah, we got fish
0: though. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Puking my brains out. <laughs> yeah, but that's all right. all right. So, okay, so you know, yeah, we just need to get you down yeah, there, dude. So, the Josh fires up the old Mayak. Right? Yeah, yeah, the, the Mayak. It'll Mayoc. be fired up. Opening opening weekend for me is the first weekend of May. Yeah. So I will be on. Mayoc. That's what I'm talking about. I'm ready, man. I'm definitely ready to go down and get you and and Joe and the guys. And like we talked about, you know, some people from the tackle shop here and stuff and go do a trip. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This segment was sponsored by Miller (laughs) Lite. That's right. Sponsored. Yeah. We don't. uh, (laughs) Dude, what is all that stuff that's going on on the Internet about the Bud Light? I don't know. I don't know either. um, I don't know. I don't know. I was hoping you know. I don't know, all these people are posting about, I saw a thing today that said Bud Light, but Bud Light comes out with a new can and has made more people quit drinking than AA has in the last 88 years or something like that. I drink like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go home and do some yeah. research about I'm it. But about yeah, know. apparently it is all over the internet. There's some kind of video Kid Rock doing something. I I have no idea. I been on uh, social media today. Yeah, no, me neither. I had to. in batteries all day. So. <laughs> well, that's all right. Hey, everybody needs lithiums. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs lithiums. 23 That's right. Austin Highway. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Fish Tackle Marine. Come get them. Ionic Z Pro. Here we go. Back to saltwater
1: stuff. Yeah, I don't have too much experience in it. Um, in the bay stuff. What do you call that? Inshore fishing? Right? You You would yeah, consider it in-shore.
0: inshore fishing is yeah, anything that you do inside the jetties. Gotcha. You know, and then of course, offshore is, you know, going out into the into the Gulf or whatever. Yeah. I love the surf aspect of like camping out on the beach with
1: buddies, all that stuff. The, yeah, we call it bonfire grill. Oh yeah. yeah, I
0: love that part. You'd probably like the shark fishing. Uh, I want to
1: give it a shot. I haven't tried it.
0: The guys that do the shark fishing down on the beach, you last know, last
1: time I was there, we were we stayed in I want to say Mustang Island, but for some reason I got a wild hair in my butt. We drove down big shell big shell yeah didn't fish we just drove down there
0: yeah and drove back that's cool that's cool yeah you're gonna have to uh that that might be what we have to do before it gets uh before it happens we'll have to get somebody on the podcast they do a big tournament down there every year mm-hmm. called sharkathon No, I got the perfect guy for that there you go i like perfect that guy, david there you go david you're in buddy you don't even know it you're in he builds custom rides too so oh cool yeah, but they do that sharkathon thing. And those guys, man, they're serious about that shark fishing. Yeah, they got them yeah. big racks they put in their boat in the back yeah. of their trucks and the, got all the lights. They fish all night. And then they've got the, a bunch of them have those. Off-road trailers they've built yep. to carry stuff down there. I mean it's that's crazy. It, He's
1: yeah. the same way. It's got the big platform in the back of the truck,
0: all that stuff. Yeah. And then they use kayaks to paddle baits yeah. out and stuff that's, like that. That's old school. No longer they use drones now. Oh, there you go, yeah. drones. Well, yeah, it's probably a little safer. Yeah. You're out there, you they're know illegal, I mean. I don't know. All yeah, I all illegal. I know is those guys are fishing at night. Yeah. They're fishing for eight, ten, twelve foot sharks, and you want me to get in a little boat and paddle out there and drop yeah, some bloody bait it's... in the water?
1: Yeah, I know they have that. uh I haven't seen it here, but that. Uh, what do you call
0: that? Damn Instagram got me with the air gun. Oh, the bait cannons. Here you go. The cannon, yeah, the where cannon. they where yeah. they freeze the bait into like a plug. It's like the size of a coke can or something, yeah. and then yeah. they sh- shoot it out there. Yeah.
1: I think that was illegal here in Texas or something.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but
1: you know Texas,
0: you like, it's illegal, but
1: you know I'm still gonna.
0: Well, hey, but, to... but it's it's a gun, so yeah. we we gonna own it if it's yeah. possible. I tell you, you want to talk about a quick crazy story about shark fishing. I'll never forget when I was a kid. I don't know. I was probably 10 years old, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And when we used to go to the beach house in Port Aransas, one of the things my dad and I would always do is we'd drive down to the jetty. Mm -hmm. Even if we weren't fishing, we would just walk up and down the jetty, see if anybody's catching anything or talking or whatever, you know, and talk to a bunch of guys. And of course I was a kid, so I thought it was cool, you know, seeing all the, uh, you know the fish on the stringers, the big redfish, drum stuff like that. Well, we pull up there one time, and there's these guys with heavy, heavy East Texas or Louisiana accents. Oh, hey man, what you doing? Man? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, stereotype <laughs> anybody, but they had that very the country the, the, but very East Texas or Cajun style accent, and they were carrying. This was, because this was right before dark. It was probably about six thirty, seven o'clock before it got dark. It was summertime. And there was four of them. And these guys were hooking, hoofing all of this stuff out to the end of the jetty. They had two or three of them big pin gold yeah. reels on them rods. There was one guy carrying those. There was another, they had a kayak. So there was another guy that the kayak in the water right there by the jetty and paddled it out to the end yeah, of the yeah, jetty some of that surf right so there. they would so they would have the kayak there and then they had all their tackle and everything well we got to talking to the guys mm-hmm. and we were like hey man what are y'all doing and you know man y'all yeah we're fishing for sharks or whatever and we were like okay cool you know what do y'all use for bait old Jack, old and Jack. well he was kind of hush hush about it but i remember he said hey come over here i'll show you and no lie, dude. I walked around to the back of the truck, my dad and I did, and he had a kennel. Whoa, what? He had a kennel, mm-hmm. a dog kennel mm-hmm. in the back of his truck. Mm-hmm. And it had four live piglets in it. Oh, geez. Little piglets, yeah. probably 10, 15, 20 pound piglets. Mm-hmm. And I was it's like, like a wild, wild hog piglets I, I don't know what they were. What's yeah. Exactly yeah. I don't know. Right? They caught them or something. Yeah. But they had these little piglets, and I was like, what in the heck are you going to do with those? And they basically wrap wire around them with the big hooks on them, the big treble hooks on them, mm-hmm. and they paddle them out. And then he takes a pocket knife and would mm-hmm. slit his ankles. So he's bleeding out of the water. Yeah. And then dump the pig overboard. And the pig, struggling and the pig is just out there swimming, mm-hmm. just bleeding. I mean, it, yeah, very inhumane. I'm yeah, not condoning say, it uh, for anybody, but I mean, you want to talk about a crazy story and yeah. we're like, holy cow you know so anyway so we leave because i think we had to go meet the family for dinner or something like that but the next morning we went the next morning we went back and i think we went fishing my dad took me fishing and that morning at about 7 38 o'clock those guys are walking back down the jetties Mm -hmm. and we're like oh man you know and i saw them coming i was like hey guys did y'all catch anything and sure enough they had pictures they caught about a nine or ten foot tiger shark or something like that off the end of that jetty yeah yeah it was okay. insane <laughs> so yeah back to me getting yeah. in that kayak yeah. with bloody bait
1: uh, that's uh, no no that reminds me of uh my family what we do every um what is a memorial weekend we schedule a trip down on the coast yeah we we'll need to go to corpus port of or uh I think the last couple of years, we've been going down to Puerto... No, no, what's, what's way down on the tip? Down
0: here. South Padre? Yeah,
1: South Padre. But one year, we went to Porto Randis. We went to Mustang Island. Where's Bob Hall Pier? Padre Island? So, Bob
0: Hall was North Padre. All right, but we went there just to hang out on the beach. Yeah, and it's no longer. Yeah. Rest yeah. in peace, Bob yeah, Hall Pier. They're fixing it, I think. right. Uh, something Sorry. like it's that, yeah.
1: Well, we're there. People are fishing. You know... You got the pier, then you got, like, all the people out there in the water, swimming, surfing, and all that. The guys hooked into a 12-foot tiger shark, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. At the time, like, middle of the day, everybody's fishing and all that. You start hearing people screaming and all this stuff, like, get out the water. And like trying <laughs> to figure out why. You know, because people are oblivious
0: to stuff. Sometimes. Yeah.
1: Dude pulls a giant shark up on the beach while we there. After, like, he pulled it up, there was nobody in the water. So I bet. Everybody kind of
0: went home Well, yeah, because then they turn around and let it go. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing I will say about those shark fishermen. They remind me a lot of bass fishermen. They're very conservation. They catch and release. They catch, take their pictures or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, man, I've seen some of those guys because those sharks exert so much energy when you catch them. I mean, a lot of times, by the time you're done fighting them, those fish are just flat out exhausted. So I've seen some of those guys will have those sharks in the water for 10, 15, 20 minutes working on it, reviving them, making sure that they're good to go before they send them back out. And so I I give those guys a lot of props and a lot of credit because they, uh, they definitely are very, uh, conservation minded when it comes to that stuff. But sharks like a big, big muscle, right? Yeah. No bones except for the jaw and the teeth. Dude, we've caught some big ones. I have never personally caught any big ones. Uh, my uncle has an offshore boat that he keeps there in uh, Port Aransas. And I've been out with him, caught a couple of big uh, big sharks on the boat with him, you know. I think I caught a two-foot black shark. I think that's my big old like the a black, black tip? tip. Yeah. 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 They catch a lot of those from the beach and stuff like that. So. Yep. I remember I used to work at an automotive place. I'm not going to name it. But uh, we
1: skipped out of work early, like three or four of us. We drove down to Corpus, fish from Bob Hall. That's where we're
0: catching sharp. Yeah. 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 No, Bob Hawley, I mean, that that was a staple for years on the Texas Coast, guys. I mean, there was even, you know, certain times of the year, those guys would get out there, you'd catch tarpon, mm-hmm. stuff like that off the end of it. I mean, it's, you know, it was a great place. I hope they get it rebuilt. You know, I know Harvey Harvey pretty much took care of it, but hopefully, uh, hopefully they're able to get it back. Where is the other one that I hear? So the only two, of course, I've never spent much time.
1: I'm trying to think of the name of
0: it. Further east, you like Houston area, but I know Bob Hall Pier was always big. Yep. And then the one right there in Port Aransas is Horace Caldwell Pier. Yeah, that's the one. It's the one right next to the jetties, right there. Yeah, right yeah. there in Port Aransas, oh, yeah. like when you actually drive up and down the beach right there, like to the jetty, it's the long pier that goes out right next to the south jetty, right there. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's right there in, right there in Port Aransas, it's right? The, by the ferry and all that stuff, right? No, 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 no. It's actually on the beach. It goes out into the surf.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. those are the only two I know about. I mean, I know there's a bunch more. Yeah. I'm sure there's some up by Houston, Galveston, stuff like that. But like I said, I haven't spent a bunch of time up there, so. What are the uh, PLC? Port O'Connor Port
1: O'Connor. Or... Isn't there a set of jetties down there or something There is.
0: They've got a set of jetties just like Port Aransas does. But the beach is like kind of desolate. There's nothing around, right? The only way yeah. you can get to it. Is by boat. Yeah. So, that. yeah. So, the, the, the Port O'Connor jetties and the beach, you have to go out there by boat. You can't drive out there. Port, Port O'Connor is actually just on the mainland gotcha. by the intercoastal. Gotcha. But, yeah. So, like, my wife actually has a house. My wife's family has a house in Port O'Connor. Uh, they've had its got a long time out of 50s, 60s, 70s. They've they've had it forever. And uh, yeah, so they do what everybody does in Port O'Connor. Like in Port Aransas, you can just drive your car, your golf cart down there. No big deal. Well, they have in Port O'Connor what's called Sunday Beach. And it's basically, there's a cut, a pass that comes through. It is called Pass Cavallo. Mm -hmm. And it is It's a natural cut that comes from the Gulf to the bay. It's not the jetty cut. It's actually a natural cut. And there was a little backwater up there, and everybody just used to drive their boats out there. Like even today, you go out there in the summertime, and there will be a 100 boats anchored up on the side of the beach, and everybody's out there. They set up tents, chairs, fishing, kids, uh, everybody, and that's where everybody goes. Oh, it's awesome. It's great, but you got to have a boat to get there. What made me think of
1: that was I watched some guys from South Padre. And I think they're driving up from South Padre to those jetties. Oh, really? From the south end, yeah. Oh, wow. I could be wrong. But I'm thinking she what to do Well, that's cool. Yeah. 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 It's got to be like a, what, two-hour drive? By car or by boat? By a car on the beach. From well, South Padre to
0: Port O'Connor area? No, so there is a, uh, no, no, you can't get there.
1: No? But nope. there's another one that they drive up from from the south. There's like a set of jetties
0: that you can drive. Over here. So there's a, the next we're going to have to pause it here for just a second. But yeah, I know what you're talking about, and That's we'll, we'll uh,
1: you,
0: yeah. yeah, and we'll we'll get into that because yeah, there's a uh, there's quite a few sets of jetties all up and down the Texas coast, but not all of them you can get to via car or whatever. So hold on just one second. All right, so yeah, now the jetties um, back on that. So there is a bunch of different sets of jetties all the way from South Padre Island where the Rio Grande hits the Gulf of Mexico. Never been there. Yeah, I haven't been that. I've been to South Padre, but I've never been all the way down there. So, I mean, if you start down there, there's a set of jetties where the Rio Grande hits. And then you keep coming further north, um, probably, I don't know, as the crow flies, maybe 60 miles or so, there is a another set of jetties in Port Mansfield. Yeah, I'm thinking those two. Again. So Port Mansfield, you can get out there, and then... Maybe it's those drive. Yeah, and, and I don't know how they're getting there, because I've, I've never been down there, so I don't know if you can drive up and down the beach there or not. I know the land has changed, so it might be able to it, very, very possible. And then as you come further north from Port Mansfield, mm-hmm. now you've got uh, right there in North Padre, you've got the Packery Channel that they just dug out and may and put jetties up there yeah, i've been to We're, that one and it's right there at north padre not far from like snoopy's restaurant and stuff like yeah. that where marker 37 right there,
1: yeah, must have been a down
0: there. <laughs> well so they're also in between port mansfield and corpus where the packery channel is there used to be a thing there called yarborough pass and it was but it was a natural cut I don't know if it's still there after the hurricane. hurricane. I don't know if it's silted in or not. You know, it doesn't have a jetty or anything. It's just a pass. But as far as man-made jetties, you've got the Rio Grande. You've got Port Mansfield. Now you've got the Packery Channel. Then you've got the Port Aransas jetties. Mm -hmm. Now, the Port Aransas jetties, you can basically drive from Port Aransas all the way down to the Packery Channel. Yeah. Cor, you know, yeah. Corpus, North Padre right there. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. And then you can get, oh, yeah. and then if you get on the main road hop and to hop go. back onto the other side, you can drive all, Padre, you no, can drive all the way down to, north
1: that's, Padre,
0: well, yeah, if you get on the, that's the most thing I mean. yeah, if you, yeah, you can go further south from North Padre there, and that's where you get down into Big Shell. Big Shell and down by Yarborough Pass and all that stuff, and, and that's where you get there. So north of Port Aransas. You don't have another set of jetties till you hit Port O'Connor. And when I say jetties, you know, we're, we're talking man-made jetties with the granite boulders and all that, where they actually physically have made a waterway for ships and barges and, and all that stuff. So Port O'Connor has a set of jetties, but same thing, you can't get to them by car. So there's people that have houses out on the island and they have cars and stuff out there, trucks, and you see them driving, mm-hmm. but you can't drive out there. Those are vehicles that they've taken out there on I'm a boat
1: like, hey, and staying. they leave
0: them there for their, you know, island use or whatever. What about the uh, Humble Channel? What is that? The what? Humboldt. Humboldt Channel. I have
1: no idea. I know a saw sign all Corpus, Humble Channel. I think
0: when you're on the, what is highways at as you come in? As you come in to Corpus? Like you're coming in Corpus and you take the... So you uh, come down 37 to Corpus. Yeah. And then you take a ride on 358 or SPID or whatever, yeah. like you're going towards... You pass Red Dot and no, all that You bad. pass Red Dot, you go over the bridge. Yeah, you're going to pass the Packery Channel. Yeah, you take a left and that's 361. But when you're coming over the bridge, I remember seeing signs like saying Humble Channel. So when you go over that big bridge, yeah. when you go over the big bridge, that's the intercoastal. I that, that's the ICW. Like where... Uh, what is that? snoopy's and Doc's restaurant and marker 37 uh yeah, there's another one too where like a red dot pier oh so so that humble i yeah, guess I think it, thats where that was. if that one is that all that is is that is that's probably an old uh, uh like ship channel or something not not really a ship channel but it's probably an old channel that they dug for the uh oil boats mm. because if you look out there in the bay right there by red dot and stuff there's a bunch of uh, petroleum stuff. There's a bunch of oil wells and stuff out there. So there, if you look actually at Google Earth, there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of oil heads, cool. and then there's a bunch of channels to get the boats in and out of there and mm. stuff like that. So that was probably just a uh, yeah, a pipeline, yeah. a man-made thing for moving boats and oh, and stuff like that around. So like,
1: channel,
0: what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so you get north of Port O'Connor, the next set of jetties you hit is Matagorda. Now Matagorda, that that Matagorda is that bay system back there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, Matagorda. You have East Matagorda and West Matagorda, known for huge trout. That's one of the trout hotspots in Texas. Isn't the water salinity, salt water, like higher in Matagorda or something like that? That's Baffin. Okay. Baffin Bay. So Baffin Bay is between Corpus and Port Port Mansfield. It's south of Corpus. And Baffin Bay has a very high salinity rate. Because it doesn't have any rivers it, flow. it. It has one little creek, I think like the Mission River or something, the Mission Creek or whatever in the very back of Alazon or one of the little fingers, but it has no cut that goes into the Gulf of Mexico. So there is no water influx flow. of salt water, freshwater, or anything. The fish or help it? They say it helps it. Because Baffin Bay is one of the trophy yeah, trout yeah. spots in the yeah. world, you know. That's, I mean, yeah. There's, there's been more trophy trout caught in Baffin Bay probably than just as many as anywhere on the Texas coast. How you know. Do you, uh, how do you travel? How do you get to that? So the only way you can get there, there's a couple ways you can get there. You either have to go by boat. Mm-hmm. From well, I'm saying, if you're in a boat, how do you? If you're in you a go? boat and you put in at Marker 37, which is. By Snoopy's and stuff, the Big Bridge right there at North Padre Island. That's where that boat ramp. That boat ramp right there. There's Billings or Marker Thirty Seven. So if you're in a, if you're in an average boat, mm-hmm. now not not one of these high performance speed bay boats that they make now, but if you're just in a regular average boat that say, let's say runs thirty five to forty miles an hour, it is probably 30 to 40 miles down there to Baffin. So you're looking at anywhere from a 45 minute to an hour boat ride to get to the mouth of Baffin Bay. And then it all depends on how far back into Baffin you want to go, whether you want to go back into Alizon or, you know, there's a couple of fingers and arms that, that branch off of Baffin. So you can either get there by boat from Corpus or Port Mansfield you can get, it's the same thing. It's probably a 30, 45 minute hour boat ride from Port Mansfield, but you're coming back north. Gotcha. And then there is a little community down there in the back of Baffin called Riviera. It's a little city or township or whatever. And there is, you know, houses and RV parks and stuff down there. Because the, when you get to Baffin off of the intercoastal, there's the Riviera channel. And it is a marked channel that goes from the intercoast, from the intercoastal, Mm -hmm. all the way back to Riviera, the beach, or Riviera, uh, the little town where the boat ramps at. But Baffin is dangerous. Rocks and sea oyster beds. It's it's rocks. So they actually have a rock, and here I am. I probably should know this, but they have a rock. It is actually a living organism. It is a type of crustacean or, or or oyster mix it's a but it only grows in Baffin Bay mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah, have they won't remove it or anything like no that. they won't remove it they're protected but it, it you don't find them anywhere else on the Texas coast but it's something to do with that salinity level and everything down mm-hmm. there and those big trout love them rocks yeah but so do lower units yeah. and crops <laughs> and the bottom of boats <laughs> and everything else so, so yeah. I mean and they're
1: not marked because they can grow and pop up kind of anywhere. And stuff, right?
0: Yeah, they can pop up anywhere. I mean, I've heard stories, I don't know firsthand experience, but I've heard stories where a couple of the long term guides down there that have been guiding down there for 30 plus years, mm-hmm. they have over six, seven, eight hundred GPS waypoints of rocks Jeez. just from ones they've seen or one they've hit or whatever. I mean, they're the all over up. the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, they take, apparently, they take hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to grow so i mean it, it's it's one of those things that it's really a very crazy yeah, if you don't know ecological it, system that. that's there well, no, but I'm yeah there it's again. it's dangerous i mean i've been wading down there before and just walking along and all of a sudden you stub your shin on one of those rocks and it's oh man but yeah them fish love it but naturally it's a living organism so you figure there's got to be some kind of whatever plankton or algae or whatever that the bait fish, the fish eat and then that's anytime you have bait fish, the predator fish ain't far behind so that's true. That's true. That's yeah so yeah i mean it, it's a whole cool ecosystem system like i said matagorda is really kind of as far north as my knowledge stops i mean i've never spent a bunch of time in matagorda but mm. i've learned about it spending the last five to six years since i've been uh dating and married to my wife since they have the house in Port O'Connor I've spent a, a lot more time over the years a little further north so I've I've learned about that too um but yeah it's definitely a uh you know once you get further north than Matagorda you get to Freeport and then you get to Houston and Galveston and all the way up to the Sabine River Orange Texas and all that and
1: my wife's family talks about Freeport a
0: lot yeah like yeah so I, I I'm you know like I said, Port O'Connor, West Matagorda is kind of about where my knowledge base stops as far as the Texas coast. But I do know that, uh, yeah, if you want to, you want to chase trophy trout, hire you one of them guides that goes down to Baffin the, uh, in, in early in the year, late January, February, March, water's cold. Oh, you like colder, oh, colder water. Well, yeah. you're catching them because they're getting ready to spawn. More
1: susceptible. acceptable.
0: Yeah, and 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 you know I've heard. <laughs> I've heard them say that they spawn anywhere from the end of February all the way into April. You know, so but those big females, just like a bass, feeding up because they know they're going to exert a lot yeah. of energy and stuff like that, and that's when you catch the, the big ones. I have been to Port Lavaca. Ever been there? Yeah, Port Lavaca, not far from Port O'Connor. My niece has caught some nice flounder over there. Hmm. I've
1: all fish. And I caught lady fish.
0: Hey, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with ladyfish. Yeah, it was, no, not ladyfish. What's the long, silver, tapey Skipjack. I don't know. It was almost looks like a miniature tarpon. no nah, it
1: was just like long and skinny, like a like a, a piece of tape,
0: long and shiny. Oh, like the ribbon fish. Yeah, there you go. Ribbonfish oh, yeah, yeah. Tons of those. Yeah, they catch a bunch of them. When I was a kid, my uncle that has that offshore boat, mm-hmm. he—we were talking about the party boats earlier, you know, mm-hmm. Dolphin Docks, mm-hmm. Fisherman's Wharf, stuff like that. We used to go down there. He would take us down there, all of my myself and all of my cousins, and we would intentionally I'm try to catch those focus? ribbon fish. Yeah, because that's what they use for offshore bait. I thought about that. Yeah. This thing. Comes no. Up I can throw it out. Oh yeah, no, that's what they use for offshore bait. I didn't know if I could touch it or if I should do it. Don't stick your finger in its mouth. They got teeth. They got teeth. Yeah, I
1: didn't even touch it. You can
0: take my jig head today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, those are those are ribbon fish. Now, uh, ladyfish, or we call them skipjack. Yeah, I use those. Those things jump all the time. Great cut bait. Yeah, I catch those in the surf. Oh yeah. And dude, if you catch one, keep it. Cut it up. I mean, we you know. I see people like to eat those. Uh, i don't yeah. know about eating them i wouldn't eat one yeah, but a bunch uh, of
1: video, people catching them, and cooking
0: them and yeah no I don't, right. I don't know about that but i do know, know great bait, oh yeah we call them redfish crack because yeah. i mean the redfish love them they you cut them up and put a chunk on your hook and throw it out there especially on a calm day when there's no wind you'll see the oil slick and that, that pops good. up on the water oh yeah yeah unbelievable bait for redfish. I don't know if it's a great bait to eat. I don't oh. think so. <laughs> hey, man, i tell you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell Green, you right? what. Yeah, i tell you what. Yeah. No, but yeah, I've, I've, I personally cannot say that I've eaten one, and I probably ain't going to try, but I'll take their word for it. Yeah. You know, when we went down one year for uh, Memorial Day, my brother-in-law on that, that trip,
1: he caught, I don't know what kind of shark it was, and my mom... Prepared it, put it on the grill. And she baked some, and we fried some. Was some of the best tasting
0: shark fish, whatever you want to call it, I've ever had. You know, shark is very good. Yeah. It's a very white. Yeah. It was... And it's it's weird because shark doesn't have any bones. Yeah. It was perfect. But she cut it
1: like in little steaks, and she was.
0: It's not very bloody. Yeah. You know, it's not like redfish. Like when you fillet a redfish open, yeah. it's got that real big bloodline mm-hmm. that runs through it. You know, that you cut out and everything. But no, shark is very good. Yeah. In fact, one of the other things that a lot of people eat, too, is stingrays.
1: I haven't heard of that.
0: Stingrays are very white. In There's fact, no, um, uh,
1: they use them for bait for sharks.
0: Yes, they use them for bait for sharks. But believe it or not, um, what you do is you, you fillet the wings open mm-hmm. on a stingray. And you can actually do a couple of things. One of the things you can do is make scallops out of it. You can literally take like a little round co- cookie cutter mm-hmm. and like poke the holes in it and make the chunk scallops out of it. Mm or uh my wife's family actually eats them too and what they do is because it's kind of a it's kind of a long kind of stringy Mm meat um similar to (laughs) when they make it what they do is they take the long strings of it and they wrap it in bacon and they cook it on the barbecue pit well what's funny is when it's wrapped in bacon on the barbecue pit Mm -hmm. it almost looks like the way you wrap asparagus you know, like yeah, when yeah, those people that. that take like three yeah. or four asparagus and wrap it with bacon yeah. and grill it, yeah, that's what water, it looks like. Yeah. And it has that same, and it, it's not a bad taste. Huh. And it is very white, very, very, yeah. Right. You know, I mean, you got to be careful bringing it in the boat yeah. or filleting it or it's, whatever. You but,
1: whatever you
0: call yeah. It. But no, I mean, my, uh, <laughs> No, my, my, <laughs> my, my wife and actually my brother in law, uh, man, they've caught some big ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking, they oh, go, ever, caught one. No, they go out there. I mean, we're talking ones that have had like four or five foot wingspans. Yeah. I mean, big ones. They And they fight. It's crazy.
1: I, I imagine like bringing in a wet plastic bag or something.
0: I, I kind of feel like it's like being hooked to a 55-gallon barrel. Yeah. yeah. With an open lid that you're yeah. just trying to reel through the water. Yeah. Just dragging it in. <laughs> yeah, just dragging it in. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it's it's very interesting, man. The coast is so different and you mentioned earlier about how you feel like san antonio has a very strong coast presence Mm -hmm. and i know we talked about it a couple shows back Uh, joe and i talked about it and i think one of the reasons is because texas has very has been very drought stricken over the last 10 15 years so our big high quality bass lakes falcon choke amistad have really not been great the last like really, for the last twenty years, you know, or I don't want to say twenty years, but at least the last yeah. fifteen years, have. have the, I've
1: also learned that people, how gonna say it? They don't want to put in the work to go fishing. In bass fishing is a lot of
0: work. Very much so. Very much so.
1: Ooh, excuse me, um So they always feel like, oh man, I go to Canyon Lake or I go here, I don't catch anything. I go to the coast, I catch something all the time.
0: Yeah. Even if you're just fishing on the bottom with shrimp, you're yeah. catching hardheads, you're catching gaff oh, like, oh, top. I'll explain to you why. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. And, yeah. it, and it's funny because you spend a bunch of time at the coast like I do. And God, you catch a hardhead and it's like crap, Thing, yeah. you know, shit fish or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, but when you're somebody that only gets to fish maybe two times a year, yeah, just catch it, something's fun. Yeah. Because you look at all the guys that we see them all the time at like Brawning and Calaveras. Mm-hmm. Those guys line up on the bank. Yeah. And they chunk those rods out there and they sit and wait, but you're not getting bit all the time like you are at the coast. Yeah. I mean, God it, I do have a couple guys that, that shop with me. What's up, Carlito?
1: Not Carlito, uh he's got a dialed in at Ronnie Calaveras. Really? He's the I wanna say he is the fish master of Ronnie Calveras here in San Antonio.
0: Yeah, maybe we can get him on to come
1: in here and talk about
0: it. No, that'd be cool. Yeah. I would love because that's something I've never done. Yeah, he is
1: dialed in on redfish, carp, all that stuff out
0: there. Yeah, no that 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 would definitely be cool. Yeah. But so I think a lot of those guys that used to be diehard bass fishermen have kind of transitioned to the because coast the a little bit yeah. just because of the work, because of the lack of water. I mean, my mm-hmm. my tournament bass partner and I joke all the time about how good Amistad and Falcon and Choke used to be. You know, you could. Throw a dart at the yeah. map and pick any bank and go down at a hundred yards and you'll catch a five pounder. Mm-hmm. Now you might go two, three, four, five, ten trips and not catch yeah. a five pounder. Oh, screw this crap. Yeah, man, exactly. Go, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you know, I think, and especially as you get kids and stuff involved, yeah, it's yeah. Uh,
1: that. That's where them the entertain and all that. Yeah. Sport, yeah.
0: I mean, I remember as a kid, my mom. my mom and her two best friends, uh, they were all teachers and they're all retired now, but my mom, uh, her friend Callie, who was like a second mom to me. And then Chris, who is my godmother. We used to take a trip to the beach house every year Mm in summertime. And Chris's son, Ryan, who is, uh, still one of my real good friends. He's actually a game warden now, Lano County. And, uh,
1: is he on the Lone Star Law? Or
0: anything? I think he's been in a couple yeah. episodes.
1: <laughs> well uh, Ryan.
0: Yeah. So um, shout out Tex Parks and Wildlife, mm-hmm. Game Morden. <laughs> Matter of fact, they were over here at the Michoacana kind of getting tacos today. I saw him over here in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to joke because we had my mom, mm-hmm. and then we had Callie, who we would call her, uh, we would call her Chef Callie, and then my godmother. We'd call her Captain Chris because we were all little, and we were, and Ryan and I weren't old enough to drive yet. Mm-hmm. Well, my godmother, Chris, woke up super, super early, so she'd always take us down to the pier or down to the jetty, or even just take us over to the, like over by the dolphin docks and yeah. stuff. And we'd just fish there, mm-hmm. just shrimp. We weren't catching nothing but little fish, perch, little redfish, she little kid, trout he here and there. We were kid. Yeah. yeah. But Captain Chris, she would take us and. God, I'll never forget. We They took us to this one spot and uh, we ended up, we couldn't have been, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And we ended up catching this redfish and it ended up being, it wasn't even a, I probably and am, 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 am incriminating myself, but it, it wasn't even a keeper. It was yeah. like a 16 or 17 incher, but we hooked it deep and it ended up dying. It was floating in the water right next that to in us. 1982. Yeah, you yeah. No. Like <laughs> but it, and, and and I felt bad. And we were kids. We didn't yeah. know any better. It was dead, and so I ended up stuffing it in the bait bucket, and we took it home. Yeah, dude, we tried to fillet this thing. We had never Once filleted a fish. Oh my god, we. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we ended up with like two little fish sticks. <laughs> but Callie, Chef Callie, she was such a good sport. She took it in the pan with some butter and some mm-hmm. lemon pepper. And we because we were determined we were yeah. gonna eat the fish we caught. Yeah. It was it was on. on. So here's your two, uh, little, here's pieces, your two right? little fish sticks, and we ate it. And I mean, oh dude, we just thought it was the best. We thought it was yeah. so awesome.
1: That's the stuff you remember as a kid.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Those are the things you remember. And we're not even talking about a keeper, yeah, but those are just the memories, the memories that you get. Yeah. That's why I think fishing is so important for kids. these days. It is, and there's so many kids that don't get to experience it. That's true. So, yeah, well, hopefully uh, summer's coming. Hopefully, any of y'all out there, you want to book a trip, hit me up on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Last Call Guide Service. Stop in and see Will in the store. He's got my number, and any of y'all looking for baits or whatever, he's got a good selection of saltwater stuff here, and I think it's growing every time I come in here, so. He's uh, definitely starting to get ramped up for uh, yep, for summertime. So, uh, But, Will, thanks again as usual, man. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast and not making me go solo for the whole time. So
1: Business is calling, and I had to ship batteries and invoices and order. These new uh, Yamamoto, Yamamoto
0: Tanaki Nuki things have been flying off the shelves. So. Really? I saw you packaging some up over there. Yeah, yeah duty call yeah well that's good well hopefully if i got to do another one of these uh solo episodes i'll get better at it this was the first one i noticed uh i uh i'm pretty good with my ums and my what's and all <laughs> that all but is, yeah oh man I, I was a little nervous but i appreciate y'all uh fighting through it with me and hopefully uh we'll uh, get back with y'all next week uh, next wednesday uh flipping matt's waiting flats podcast here at fish tackle marine will thank you very much man you yep, all have a good evening